0: Muddy knees, Media.
1: Ruthless Reading's best mate keeps them on top, woe is Wickham, and why did the chicken take his top off? The answer to that and more to come. I'm excited, John Yems is excited. Absolutely fantastic. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listeners. the start of another week, a time for us to reflect on another A1 weekend of EFL action. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, two stalwarts and a full debutant. Adrian Clark was a winger for Arsenal South End, Stevenage and Moore. Now he takes tactics and analyses them in a way that even people like me can understand. Howdy, Adrian. (laughs) That's the idea. Yeah, all good. Thanks, Matt. Good. Uh, Also on board wearing number nine for us and Forest Green Rovers, it's Sam Parkin. Um, Sam, that was a a tight shirt FGR sent you. For for anybody who missed the Quest show on Saturday, fill them in.
2: Yeah, I I slaughtered the Forest Green home kit about a fortnight ago and they very kindly sent me one in, in the post. So to complete the gag, I wore it on Saturday Night TV to critique their away victory at Morecambe, and it's really small and also actually the viewers didn't get to see they sent me an accompanying letter and it was done in the style of a serial killer you know when they cut out the letters (laughs) which has just made it even more brilliant in my mind so maybe i should tweet that as well but i'm i'm really thankful because it is a lovely gesture
0: sinister yeah (laughs) What size? is I am shirt. allowed
2: back for a Q pie. I am allowed back for a <laughs> okay. Q Q-Pi. That was the the, the the body of the the letter.
1: Was it a, was it a medium shirt or a large one?
2: It is a large. So in the modern game, I would be a double XL.
1: Yeah, it's one of them, isn't it? When you get to our age, you shouldn't really be wearing football shirts, I suppose. Uh, Finally, with us today, ensuring that the East Midlands Derby analysis isn't totally one-sided, you've heard him on the show briefly before. A fine journalist, despite the oft-unpleasant subject matter he has to cover, is the Athletics Derby County correspondent, Ryan Conway. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how you doing? Very well. Very pleased to have you with us. Uh, right, let's kick off in the manner which has become customary. It's time for this performance of the weekend. Yes, it's the performance of the weekend. Fifteen seconds per person to convince the Twitter Twitterati that their team had the performance of the weekend. Head to at the Totally Show to cast your vote. Uh, Sam, you can go first this week. You've chosen Portsmouth Football Club. Your fifteen seconds starts
2: now. Oh, outstanding victory. Sunderland out four and soundly beaten. First goals they've conceded since opening day. Pompey's formation change worked wonders. Both front players thriving. Harness, goal assist. Marquis with two. He's looking much happier with a mate up there. Raggett and what (coughs) more Brilliant. Kenny. Jacket, we take it all
0: back.
1: Hmm. Yeah, a little bit longer than last week. Um, Ryan, that sound you heard was a, a hornet sound effect, but also the gauntlet being thrown down
3: to you. You've chosen Blackburn Rovers. Your fifteen seconds start
1: now. but
3: well, all the goals were just really quality goals. I know that they played against ten men for a lot of it, but the the interplay between the lines. Um, I thought Brereton and Armstrong. Armstrong looks like the best forward in the division at the moment, and they're just so fun to watch going forward. And with Bradley Johnson behind pulling the strings, they were they were they were brilliant. They were
1: Mm, yeah, I think that was a bit better than Sam. That's um, that's professionalism. <laughs> Good um, luck with Peterborough,
2: by the way, Matt. Good luck.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll <laughs> that's go a stinker. next. Time. <laughs> I've chosen Peterborough United uh, even 15... Peterborough didn't think they played well well we'll see <laughs> won't we we'll see um, my 15 seconds star now uh, two words ruthless efficiency Posh went up to Humberside didn't expend any unnecessary energy two shots on target two goals a 2-1 win inflicting a first home defeat of the season on a whole side who Posh leapfrogged in the table vengeance
2: <laughs> Well-dressed up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just like you on Saturday night. Right, uh, Clarkie, you've got a dreadful record in this, so you, you've tried to, um, to swing the vote by, by picking a, a team with a massive supporter base from the Championship. Oh, no, it says Newport County here, um, behind the eight ball, possibly, in terms of who's going to be voting for it. Your 15 seconds to convince the listeners
0: begins now excellent from the exiles it's now 299 minutes since Flynn's men conceded and they've never gave Bradford a sniff and a clinical 3-0 away win great finishes from Dimitriu and Amund set them on their way before Scott Twinkletoes twine earned a pin Newport oh you never know you'll never know what I was going to say there <laughs>
1: <laughs> head to at the totally show you'll find the tweet with the vote thingy on there and you can cast your vote last week <laughs> Forest won of course uh, that was fun less championship <laughs> At Paddy Power, we know
4: competition for the remote control can be fierce at the weekends. So, in order to give the non-football-loving occupants of your house something to do, here are some of our top suggestions.
3: Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Walk
4: to the shops. Go cycling. Cycle the dog. Recycle the dog. Just go! All very good options, we say. And that's not the only one. If one leg of your four-plus-fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Paddy Power. Max, we bet £10. I Min mean, odds 25 on each leg on an exclusive exclude shop, bets, season 18 plus big
1: You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines relentless Reading, five points clear already, despite having the worst XG in the division, taking the fewest shots in the league, and they haven't taken a single shot from a counter attack yet. Elsewhere, it was East Midlands, Derby Stalemate at the City grounds. Woe is Wickham and Barnsley have a new boss. His name is Valerin Ismail. And yes, of course, I've heard of him. Um, here's a question from Simeon Pickup, who's tweeted at The Totally Show. He asks, is Reading's form so far sustainable or will we tail off? Uh, Ryan, you saw them fairly early in the season at Pride Park uh, we were kind of surprised in the first couple of games I guess we we shouldn't be now despite those stats that I read out are they here to stay as, as
3: title contenders maybe um, I'm not sure if title contenders is sustainable um, but I, I think they could make a good fist of the, the playoffs they seem like a side that is, is tight at, at the back. And I think with Ajaria, who I absolutely love watching as a player, he's such a clever little player. I think you've always got a match winner in him. Um, and I think those two, if they form the bedrock and the underpinning of your side, I think that, that can be made sustainable across the, the you know the league. Um, Clarky, element of surprise may be quite
1: important here. I guess that doesn't last all season usually. Might that be where they come unstuck when teams figure them out?
0: I think squad depth is probably what, what might make them come unstuck. I think the first 11 is really strong. We, we know that they're they're solid. We know that they're being extremely efficient. To be top of the league, having the fewest shots is, is remarkable, really. that They would need to create more chances, I guess, moving forwards. Lucas Shaw, for instance, everything he's touching at the moment has turned into goals that might not last. So what have they got in reserve with injuries and, and form? Uh, suffers that that that's the big question mark. But but I like the look of them. They certainly do look uh, playoff candidates.
1: What a start, Sam, for for Velko Panovic. We we weren't expecting much when when we saw that he'd been appointed. But but maybe we should have known better.
2: Yeah, they've been great. I think defensively, I said it on Saturday. Not been behind for for one second so far, which is just incredible in the, in the championship. Um, only conceded the one goal, and but I think. Simeon kind of answered his own question, and you did as well, uh, leading into it, Matt. I think it's not sustainable when you're only having scoring with your only shot on target last midweek against Wickham and their first shot on target against Rotherham, who were the better side up to that point, uh, you could argue as well at the weekend. So I don't think they're going to sustain it in the top two, but completely agree with Ryan. There's enough there. Swift to come back um, as well. The front players are on fire uh, to make a real push for the playoffs. And the next runner, of games is great. Blackburn away the next one is really tough. And the next four, Coventry, Preston, Stoke, Bournemouth. So, um, sorry, the three that follow Blackburn, I think are all winnable games. So I don't think they're going anywhere in the next month. We shall see.
1: Uh, let's roll back the clock all the way to Friday night so we can discuss the one-all draw between two-time European champions Nottingham Forest and the winners of the 1973 Daily Express National Fivesides Tournament, Derby County. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you were, you were delighted Derby managed to get something out of this game. Um, decent performance from them, actually, wasn't it? Certainly, certainly first half, a, a big improvement on what's been happening in recent weeks, it's fair to say.
3: You're just going to brush over the league title that they won like it was nothing. Okay, okay, I see you. I see you, Matt Davis-Adams, I see you. Um, Yeah, that was probably the best performance that they turned in all season, to be fair. Um, The last sort of three games, they've steadily got better and and better, um, particularly in in an attacking sense. Um, I thought the 3-4-3 that that they've been setting up with... um, worked to work to treat against Forrest and obviously Chris Uton set up with a four four two. The idea was to press two of those three centre halves, but it didn't really work. Um, um and Derby were just able to play out of that and then they had the numbers in 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 midfield. Um and the, the sort of unorthodox front three of of Waghorn, Jersviak and and Lawrence, their movement caused I thought a lot of problems for for Forrest because the the spaces they dropped into no one knew who to go who to stay who was marking who how much space do you leave him behind and it it caused it caused some issues Um, but then Forrest brought um, Anthony Knockhart on uh, and Derby struggled to to tactically adjust um, to that and, and Forrest started to get a bit more joy I thought We've been speaking
1: about Philip Cockey being under pressure for for a little while now and obviously Mel Morris came out and and said that that wasn't the case. But do you think not necessarily results like this, but performances might help convince the players if that that needs happening, you know, that he's got this tactical flexibility and, and that he is the man to take them on?
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, like, look, football's a fluid thing, isn't it? You know, patience won't be there for forever um, and you can't just keep turning in, encouraging performances and only picking up a point or getting nothing. Because um, that, that, that's not how it works. You know we, we know, we know that that's not how the game works. The turnover of the squad was hefty. You know, I think seven players left and, and seven came in. Um, and they also had to start the season without the three top goal scorers from last season. Lawrence and Wyckhorn had injuries, and Chris Martin is now at Bristol City, um, and Wayne Rooney wasn't wasn't fully fit either. You know that that's going to create going to create issues. Um, the Blackburn game was appalling. Um, there are things in football that you can control. Effort and desire is one of them, and and Koku had said that they didn't have that against Blackburn. Those things you can control, um, and they've improved on on those things. Um, with every, with every game, you look at them and you think that there is enough to think that this is worth sort of persisting with. Um, but they, they do always give you something that you think, man, you, you should be better at doing this by now.
1: As for, for Forrest Clark, as Ryan said, Chris Heaton went with, with two up front in Lyle Taylor mm-hmm. and Lewis Graben, didn't really work. Graben got hooked at, at half-time. Can't blame a new manager for, for trying new things as he works his squad
0: out, though, I guess. No, and I wouldn't write it off. When you've got two excellent centre forwards like Taylor and Grabham, what I think it's worth persisting with to try them together. It may not have worked in this game because tactically the setup of Derby's team um, made it difficult for them, but it could work in other matches. So, so we might we might see it again. I think what you need if you're going to play two up front. Is is a really mobile central midfield unit, and uh, that can really get around the pitch. You need industrious wide men that will sort of tuck in and be narrow when needed as well. So, so, so they just need to make one or two little adjustments. For me, Harry Art is always bet, better in a in a three man midfield. I think in in a in a in a pivot there, he can be a little bit found out for mobility. Um, so, it's, so that might be something that they look at moving forwards but um, look tactical options for Chris Hewton moving forwards yeah I agree with Ryan I think it was much better from Derby more movement a bit more pace in forward areas Um boy did they need it <laughs>
1: Now, let's pretend we're a young, engaged couple trying to woo a vicar and head to the vicarage. Vicarage road, I mean. 1-1 uh, between Watford and Bournemouth. The Cherries preserving their unbeaten start to life back in the Championship, courtesy of Chris Meppham's late leveller. Um, Sam, you are commentating on this one. What is it with you and Bournemouth these days?
2: I don't know. Well, my, my in-laws live in, in Christchurch, which is just nearby. I spend a lot of time in that part of the world, so maybe the, um, the bosses are various media outlets have been particularly kind to me. Although we can't go anywhere at the moment, so it's all redundant, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's get to the the big talking point of the game. Lloyd Kelly, he had a big hand in the the equaliser for Bournemouth deep into stoppage time, but should he have been on the pitch at that point?
2: Well, definitely not, because there was a a push on Sarr a little bit later. So whatever way you look at it, he should have had two yellows. The first one... I just thought it was a left-sided player, left-back, left-sided centre-half in the wide right position in the first minute of the game and I thought he went with the wrong leg. I can't imagine 90 seconds into a game, you're going to go and try and do someone. I just thought it was clumsy, it was mistimed. And it was dangerous so therefore it, it was a red card but I didn't think that it was malicious so that that's what I, I took it from it it was someone trying to stop a counter-attack and got it horribly wrong but of course he um he popped up at the end and played a part in the equaliser so it did have a big bearing on the game uh, with 11 v 11 the draw was the fair result it was Watford scoring a brilliant first goal Saar who is playing as a striker, stands on the right-hand side. And because Bournemouth had made a couple of changes in that department, Kelly being one coming in, left-sided centre-half, Rico moving to wing-back, I just don't think they got their distances correct. And that happened throughout the, the game, really. And it, it causes such a problem-sized position. But they rallied. I wouldn't say it was a siege on the Watford goal, but created enough to deserve the point. And I just felt it wasn't a point that got around to talking about on the radio really or on Saturday evening but I thought Ben Foster given he'd had such a good week was probably partly to blame for the equalising goal He, I think he mistimed his jump to concede the initial corner and then it was the corner that was recycled that led to the goal and ball was in the six yard box lot of bodies I think if you come there it's a brilliant relief to the rest of the team when someone come, the goalkeeper comes and clutches it when you're hanging on to a lead but I think he had to punch it Away from danger, fell to um, to Lloyd Kelly, and obviously
1: the rest is history. Uh, Clarkie, Sam's mentioned Ben Foster there. I, I was interested in, in Asmir Begovic as well. Made some key saves reintegrated under Tyndall, you know, word was that him and Eddie Howe didn't see eye to eye. He had a weird season last season, which he spent time at Carabag and AC Milan, which has got to be a bit of first <laughs> for anybody in, in professional football. But mm. but that's um, that's good management from Tyndall, isn't it? Because it, it's one thing reintegrating a player when you take over a club when you've got no prior knowledge of them. But obviously he was aware
0: of the situation that went on previously. Yeah, just utilise your assets. And he obviously thought, you know what? He didn't get on with Eddie, but I think I can manage him a bit smarter. I think I can get him on side, and I want to get him on side because I think he's the best keeper. That we've got available, so so yeah, it's it's good management from him. I've, I have been impressed by Tindall. You know, it's a couple of good away points that they've got then in, in, in the space of a week at Watford, at Cardiff, and and yeah, I watched them against Coventry, very very impressive in that particular game. So um, yeah, I think he's got off to a to a real flyer, Jason Tindall, and, and Begovic looks to me like is the the undisputed. Number one now. What what I like about Bournemouth is is that they create plenty of chances. I, th- I still think Solanke misses too many. He'll he'll get he'll get plenty like Bamford did in the Championship, um, but he'll, he'll, he'll miss a lot as well. You suspect, and then of course if they get promoted like Bamford, he'll score a hat trick every week, no doubt. <laughs> um, Ryan Sam mentioned
1: Ismail Sa there, and I noticed that Josh King was involved for Bournemouth as well. Obviously, these two down from the Premier League last year. Two players there that would have been expected to leave, depending on how their attitude is, it's a big bonus for for both clubs to have been able to keep hold of them at least until January.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the cross that that Sarr puts in for the Watford goal, it, it, it's it, it's indefensible. Like you cannot defend that cross. It's just brilliant. Um, you know, they they paid thirty million pounds for him. Um, was it last last season season before um you know and, and that's the kind of quality that you expect for that kind of um price um you know it was reported that that palace had a, a 25 million pound bid rejected on on deadline day you can see what he brings and Liverpool were, were interested in him there were reports of that as well um and then yeah on the on the other end Josh King who, you know, it's all about putting the ball in, in the back of the net. We've seen if, if you've got someone like a, like an Ollie Watkins, an Alexander Mitrovic, if you can get a striker that can get you twenty goals a season in this division, that is just it's 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 an invaluable asset to to have.
5: This news just in, listeners, The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash league show.
1: Next to the War of the Roses at the John Smith Stadium where resurgent Preston made it back-to-back wins coming from behind to beat Huddersfield 2-1. Joining us now, the Huddersfield town reporter for the Huddersfield examiner, Stephen Chicken. Um, Stephen, we'll get to Saturday's game shortly, but first, well done. Uh, this weekend, the promise of raunchy, topless pics of your good self flooding the internet have helped raise over £11,000. Open brackets, all caps, £11,000. £11,000. Close brackets uh, for the fans for food banks appeal. Tell us a bit more a- about the charity and how you got to be involved with it.
4: Yeah, it was. It's actually the initiative of the Huddersfield Town Supporters Association as as part of fans for food banks, as you say, and they they sort of started this fundraiser about six months ago, and it had got to just over a thousand pounds, and and had sort of stagnated a little bit and needed a bit of a boost so I started tweeting out about it on Friday afternoon and things got a little bit out of hand and I you know we we, we raised about 800 pounds and then I said okay well if we get to 2500 I'll do my pre-match uh, run through the team sheets on Facebook live topless and if we get to 3500 then I will do the whole game topless <laughs> and immediately there was an anonymous donation of a thousand pounds which pushed it to close to the 3,500 um, subsequently Fraser Campbell who, who obviously scored the goal uh, against Preston chipped in 5,000 pounds himself which is phenomenal but even aside from from that and the the anonymous donation that the fans have raised about 3,600 pounds in the space of 48 hours over the weekend which is incredible and, and we'll go to the welcome center which is a a food bank in in Huddersfield.
1: Magnificent work. Um, Well done. That is really, really fabulous. Um, To Saturday then, your boy Fraser had the Terriers ahead at half-time. Then what happened? Yeah,
4: it was a really good start, which... Town recently have been good in the second half, more than the first half. So to see them get off to to a, a start like that with a goal eight minutes in was was really pleasing and sort of boded well. But they let Preston back into the game a bit too much. They started dropping deeper and deeper under the, the Preston high press and, and it, the goal was coming. And it's just unfortunate for them that when it did come, it was actually two goals uh, from Alan Brown in quick succession. And... Town gave it a really good effort. They had Nabi Sarr sent off for a, a last man challenge, which was no one had any complaints about that, to be fair. It was a, a, a clear red card. But Town kept going. They, they stayed in a 3 3 3 when they were down to 10 men and, and kept pushing for the equaliser. And Pippa, the right back, went close to, to an equaliser a couple of times, but. No complaints about the result, really, on the day. Preston deserved
0: it. Yeah, I see a lot of positive signs about Huddersfield's um, style of play. I think the players are buying into what Corbrand is doing. No question about that. The results have, by and large, been, been good as well. And I noticed Lewis O'Brien, great through ball for, for the goal that they scored. He's back available now. I think he's he's capable of, of kicking on again this season, isn't he? Is he a player that, that can make a real difference for town? Definitely. Definitely. The- sort of one of town's biggest problems for all there's been a lot of positives in the,
4: the style of play one of their biggest problems so far this season is there's just been that lack of cohesion and connection from the midfield to the attack and Lewis O'Brien we know he's a he's a real box-to-box player his engine is absolutely phenomenal uh, I'm told that that you know they've been blown away by the stats that he's been recording in training and in games even though he's been coming back from an injury and we know that he's going to give us a lot of running and ball carrying to help make that connection and He's going to take a bit of time to get used to this system as well, um, but having him back is a is a massive uh, boost after af, after he was the standout player for Town last year.
3: I was just going to ask uh, what uh, Sarah has been like, you know, outside of the of the red card, because I I was really impressed with him for uh, Charlton last year, and and with him being on a free, I thought that any team. If they could get him in the in the championship, would he would be a real real good defender? I was impressed with what I saw from him last year.
4: Yeah, he's he's coming and he's done really well. And, and credit to town, they've. they've- Had a lot of stick over the the recruitment over the last few years. And a lot of that criticism, to be honest, is justified. I think they would admit that their recruitment in the Premier League wasn't good. But the last couple of windows, they've been excellent. And Nabi Sarr on a free was a really good pickup. He he didn't have the best game on Saturday, actually. It was probably his his weakest game for town so far. But defensively, he's... You know, he's obviously a giant for a start. You know, he's six foot five and a half and Town were really lacking at set pieces and he's definitely a presence in both both boxes. But it's his ability on the ball as well. Town... You know, Christopher Schindler is, is beloved by Huddersfield Town fans and rightly so after he helped them go up and the fact that he's captain and so on. Uh, and Richard Stearman has been really solid since he arrived in January. But they just needed, on, in this system where Corcoran wants them building out from the back, they needed a defender who was really comfortable on the ball and had a good passing range. And Saar has shown that he's
1: going to be that player for them. Key question to finish, Stephen. What's the deal with Carlos Corberon's trousers? Does he get dressed in the dark? <laughs> he does love his uh his chinos doesn't he
4: his light chinos i accidentally dressed as him a couple of weeks ago which <laughs> was a bit distressing um yeah I'm, I'm not sure about pairing them with the 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 white trainers though i, th- I think i'd go for a nice navy boat shoe but he obviously is a, a much better dressed and more fashionable man than i am so who am i to <laughs> criticize
1: and me too before we let you go how can how can people donate to the fundraiser if they'd like to
4: yeah, if you go to tiny.cc forward slash frozen chicken. That'll just take you through to the, the fundraiser and you can make a donation there.
1: Uh, next up, Coventry nil, Blackburn four. After successive defeats, no wins in three games. Blackburn looking back to their best on Saturday. 24 shots, 66% possession. Playing against 10 men obviously helped that. Ryan, you're a big fan of the Rovers attackers, as you've mentioned. Do you want to lavish a bit more praise on them?
3: they're just really fun to watch, I think, like you know a lot of sport we forget as spectators the The idea is to just have fun um and I have fun watching them um and that's basically it <laughs> you know I think I think adam Armstrong is a really clever forward um you know he plays as a nine but kind of operates a, a bit a bit like a false nine at times as well, where he kind of just drops deep and then brereton runs runs off him, and they've brought in um uh, Harvey Elliott from Liverpool, um, who can can come in, and then you know Ty, Stolen um, the four um, nil against Derby when Blackburn just pasted Derby all over the park. You know, poor Lee Buchanan. Um, had to deal with Tyrese Dolan, and it was not a fair fight at all. Um, he's he's like he's like a FIFA Street player. It's just like stepovers and fakes, and like you're messing around with the trick stick, and your guy just does a thing, and then he's away from the defender. Uh, he's just so much um, so much fun to watch. He he was on the bench um, yesterday, and and I'm not sure per, personally if he's going through a, a tough time. He posted a tribute to um, Jeremy Whiston, who who sadly lost his life, um, uh, the academy player. So. You know, just just on that note, if if you're struggling, then please reach out. No matter who you are, what age you are, what you are, where you are, someone loves you and someone will listen. Um, you know, and if Tyrese is, is struggling right now, um, a place on a bench, uh, out of the squad might be good. But as a player, I, I love that guy. I love what he brings to the team. Um, and in midfield with Johnson and and Holtby, they're they're just good. They're just fun to watch. And you know, that's what I, I watch sport for. Um, Sam, we sort of at the start of the
1: season pegged Blackburn as mid-table fodder. Do you think that we're going to have to change our minds soon? Yeah,
2: I think so. Um, Quite possibly because I completely agree with with Ryan, but I think there's been some surprises defensively. After the opening day at at Bournemouth, I think we really questioned if they were going to be good enough in that department. I think um, Williams has been very good. Um, they, I thought they needed a few extra additions. They didn't really get that. But, you know, I think defensively they're looking pretty good. I, thought, I noticed that ranking Costello was preferred to Nambé at right back. And I think because they went down to 10 early, he had a, a really positive effect on the game, almost played as a, as a winger at times. Um, but, yeah, at the moment you have to focus on the front three and, and just say how great they were. Brereton was was brilliant. I think he's been really inconsistent in a Blackburn shirt. So this season looking like a different player involved in everything that was good and, and great to starting to get a proper look at Elliot as well, who we've heard so much about. He seems to have been around for a couple of years and he's only still 17 years old. So I thought his assist was equally as, as good as his, his finish at the weekend. So not a good day for Coventry and really poor in possession which we don't associate with them just couldn't get up the pitch Blackburn swarmed all over them and, and could have been a lot more
1: yeah, no wins in five now for Coventry. Uh right, since we've last spoke, Barnsley have appointed Valerin Ismail as the successor to Gerhard Struber. Uh, Ismail, most recently in charge of LASK or Lask in Austria. You might remember Man United beat them in the Europa League last season. Uh, they would have finished top of the Austrian Bundesliga regular season if they hadn't been docked points for violating Corona protocols. And then they um well they lost it basically in the in the playoff to determine the champion. Lost six of ten games and, and finished nowhere. Um, what do you think, Clark? It's one of those appointments that we're kind of getting used to in the championship, if you know what I mean.
0: We are, yeah. And Celtic have, have had some good managers, haven't they, in, in recent time? So, so you got to back the, the club's judgment on it. I know that a lot of the fans wanted someone with championship experience, someone maybe just just an Englishman or a Brit. To come in and for a change, but but it's not meant to be. Um, Let let's give the guy a chance. I've looked at his track record, and it's it's not that great. I mean, I'm not quite sure what he's done to to, to warrant it. At Nuremberg, he lasted 14 games. At Wolfsburg, he lasted 17 games. Apollon Srimimis. I don't know how, yeah, I'm not sure Lasky, exactly yeah. how to pronounce that, but he lasted one game, he fell out with the, the, the owners, and then at last he had 50 games, uh, and they ended up coming fourth before he was sacked, so it's not a glittering CV, but he is a member of the 28th of September birthday club, um, so I'm going to give him a chance here, he's exactly one year younger than me, so uh, yeah, good good luck to, to Valerian. Okay, Ryan spoke about mental health um, a couple of minutes ago and we are, of course, big
1: fans of the likes of Mind and Calm who are doing great things to end the stigma around mental health. The Totally Shows and The Athletic are also delighted to be supporting Football Aid for the months of October and November. Football Aid is helping out a number of men's health and mental health charities via their online auction where you can get your hands on some incredible football memorabilia including signed shirts from Stephen Gerrard, Jen Vialli, and Gareth Bale. Find out more and get bidding at footballaid.com. That's F-O-O-T-B-A-L-L-A-I-D.com. Ryan, you wrote a very moving piece for The Athletic recently about your own struggles with depression. Was that a difficult thing to do? Did you find it cathartic once you'd published it?
3: Uh, Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Um, No, it was actually pretty easy to do um, because I I had a lot of things that I wanted to get off my chest um, about doing this job. Um, while suffering from depression and anxiety um, about the perceptions of this job um, and about sort of the kinds of people that you interact with and, and see and, and all those things in, in this job. Um, because the, what what always was crazy to me, um, once I've sort of, you know, learning the ropes, as it were, I've only been doing this job without training wheels for for like 18 months. And what, what struck me was... Um, everyone thinks they could do this job um, because you know you you learn to write as as a youngster you know you look so it's not really appreciated as a finite skill it's like oh, I you know I, 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 can, I can write words I used to do it joined up that's how good I was and it's not necessarily that you know sort of pl- playing a musical instrument or being an athlete requires a lot of finite skill and it's appreciated I think a lot more than doing this job and you know that that to me and the criticism you get for just trying to do your job it was just it, it got to me it bothered me um and i just had a lot to get off my chest in in that sense um i think it's you know readers see the words that you write but often don't see the struggle that goes into just putting a thousand words down on on the page so yeah it was it was it was it was cathartic but it wasn't necessarily difficult for me to write Sam, we kind of put ourselves forward for
1: criticism, being broadcasters, being on social media and whatever, but there's not really anything that can prepare you for the way it makes you feel when when somebody does send you something nasty. It's 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 quite a horrible thing to have to deal with on a, on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, it's
2: really difficult. I'm better at trying to ignore things and not look at social media for certain periods of the day, but it is tough. And um, now more than ever, as Ryan's already touched on a few moments ago. Now is a time in the world where it's really tricky. Uh, we're all anxious about the obvious things so it's a time to to be talking and uh, I said it a few weeks ago actually on Quest. I think there's been great strides made in the football industry that probably leads itself to the media world as well where it's so much more accepted to be able to speak about your struggles. Me and Clarkie, I'm sure, 15 years ago, wouldn't have dared speak to anyone at a football club because you would not have got selected at the weekend, which is so sad and so wrong. But that's the way it is now. Very open with my former teammates. We've all encountered difficulties since we've come out of the game. I've been vocal about my own struggles. It's very, very tricky. And um, we're in a really vulnerable age group, Um, all of us that are chatting here today and it's important that we speak and we find a routine I found mine after some tricky times exercise being open getting support speaking to your your mates that's uh, the only way through it and sometimes that does come from you but um, you can find serenity I suppose
1: Clarky, something which you and Sam have both had to deal with, which Ryan and I obviously haven't, is that transition from when you have to to hang up the boots. I know that you you'd made strides towards that fairly early on, um, by by going semi pro and, and learning about journalism. But but that must be that must be a difficult thing to deal with when when you can't do the thing that you've wanted to do and love doing all your life.
0: Yeah, you're on your own as well. You know, the support network's not always there from from football clubs um, when when they let you go. Um you're out there in the in the big wide world on your own with no previous experience, feeling pretty down about yourself because you've just you know, you just ended effectively the career that you always dreamed about having. So yeah, I I just hope that and I think it is improving, but I just hope that that employers not just in, in football, but across the board. You know, when, when changes are made and, and people are sort of set free, made redundant, we're seeing that a lot at the moment, of course, with the current pandemic, a lot of people out there they are going to be feeling very low about themselves. So so I'd like to think that, that there'll be more of a support network moving forwards, and, and that they have a, you know, duty of care, really, employers uh, right across the board to look after their own, even if if these people have just moved on.
1: Yeah, well, if you are struggling, mind, calm, plenty of other resources out there that are designed to help. Okay, like last week, we're going to take advantage of the midweek fixture list to build an knacker with the help of our friends at Paddy Power. Uh, Ryan, you've picked a game from the Championship. Which is it and who are you picking to win?
3: Uh, I picked Bournemouth and Bristol City and I've got that down as a draw. Nice,
1: okay. My pick's also from the championship. I fancy Barnsley's new boss to start with a win against QPR. Um, Abby's away this week, so we've got a young upstart called Ben doing the production today. He's going to look after our odds as well. Ben, what, what will you give us, you being Paddy Power, on Bournemouth Bristol City being a draw?
5: Well, this is very interesting, Matt. Um, the Cherries are four to five for the win. Josh King is the favourite to get the first goal. He's just over six to one for that. And he's Norwegian. Um, or you can get 16 to five for Bristol to be vital at the vitality. But uh, Ryan is back in the draw. That's five to two.
1: And how about my Barnsley VQPR? I'm going home win. What are Paddy Power saying?
5: Well, I can't wait to see this game, Matt. And it's seven to five the Barnsley pick up the win at home here. It's two to one for the draw and QPR winning on the road. Same odds there. Uh, incidentally, you can get 200 to one on a 4-4 draw which might just happen. Uh, and it's just over 22s for Liverpool loney Herbie Kane to open the scoring for the Tigers.
1: Um, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today. Be- before I let you go, I've got to ask you about Randy Orton capturing the WWE title for a 14th time at Hell in the Cell on Sunday. Uh, is he an overrated boar or one of the best of his generation?
3: I think if you're getting motivated and in a good program, he always comes to play. Um, I'd like to see Drew maybe hold it longer, but now you now you can build the chase and maybe he wins it again with with uh, with fans. In uh, Roman Reigns' heel is awesome as well. By the way, let's talk more about that. <laughs> Three of our listeners just popped hard for that; the rest of them turned up. Um,
1: <laughs> Ryan, it's been brilliant having you today. We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much.
5: It's the start of lockdown two out there, listeners. So grab your curry verse, dust off your lederhosen and fire up the umpar band. Thank you. Because it's Oktoberfest and our friends at Beer 52 want to celebrate the world's biggest beer festival by giving all Totally listeners a free case of eight German craft beers. All you have to do is head to beer52.com football and cover the cost of shipping, which is a mere £5.95. Beer 52, as you all know by now, are beer pioneers and they've visited the finest small batch breweries in Germany to bring you ABK, 6% Feist Beer, Bureaux Brauereis, Weizen, Lemke's Spree Coast German IPA and many, many more. Most of these beers have never, ever been seen in the UK and with Brexit round the corner, well, it's unlikely you'll ever see them again. You can choose a light, dark or mixed case and the best thing with Beer 52 is that there's absolutely no minimum commitment if you want you can just take this free case try the beers and if you decide it's not for you you can pause or cancel your subscription at any time so head to beer52.com football and get your free case of eight craft beers today that's the word beer and the number 52.com football one last time beer52.com slash football for Oktoberfest.
1: League One headline, Steve Evans accuses the EFL of a dereliction of duty after his Gillingham side took on a Fleetwood team who weren't tested for COVID despite having played Accrington, Stanley in midweek and eight Stanley players testing positive. The games between Accrington and Bristol Rovers and Oxford and Swindon fell foul of the Rona. Uh, Lincoln are top, but there's only three points between they and fourth-placed Ipswich after they met on Saturday. Posh's win on Humberside saw them up to second. Charlton have won three on the spin with four straight clean sheets. And Pompey's sensational away form continued as they left the Stadium of Light with their jackets still very much on. Uh, Let's start at the KCOM, though. I made Posh my performers of the week, controversially in some quarters. Uh, Sam, Adrian, doesn't sound like you uh, were as impressed with Fergie Jr.'s mob.
2: No, I just think we've grown accustomed to... Peterborough being so good attacking-wise and only had the, the two shots. So you could look at it the other way and say very clinical, but really fortuitous with with the winner. Uh, I liked the first goal and I thought that it was interesting that Darren Ferguson decided to play a different system from the off and reverted to type a little bit in the second half, going back to like the 3-5-2, 3-4-1-2, whatever way you want to look at it. And the standout player was probably Ward, who started high on the right-hand side, reverted to his usual wing-back role and and played a brilliant part in both of the goals. The first delivery for for Clark Harris was the best moment of the game for me. So I thought they probably didn't deserve it, but it's a good sign uh, of a team that are going well, five consecutive wins. And it's a good sign always if you're not playing particularly well.
0: Yeah, Joe Ward is is just on fire, isn't he? He's got more assists than anyone else in League One at the moment, and I think he's he's become absolutely integral, really, to to Ferguson's tactical setup because he is in essence a right wing back, but a very attacking right wing back. So he can play as a winger or as a wing back, or even drop in as a full back if necessary. So it just gives the manager, that, that flexibility during games, depending on how it's going, to 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 tweak the shape uh, because he's so malleable, basically. And, and yeah, his in product is, is terrific at the moment. The other thing that stood out for me for Peterbury in this game was that he gave Ryan Broome a start in the number 10 role because Sammy Smoddix was, was out. And Broom, of course, was only just signed. Hasn't really got going yet. And he, and he hooked him on 52 minutes for, for a 17-year-old, uh, Flynn Clark, so um, yeah, interesting tactical decision. Pretty, pretty ruthless from Darren Ferguson there. And it, you, you wonder, seventeen years old, Flynn Clark coming on. Is this another great talent to emerge at, at London Road? Um, let, let's not get too carried away, but but it's impressive that he's he's even in the frame at that age.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I was Ferguson, I'd have played broom at sweeper, but probably that's why I'm, I'm not the manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, to Sinsel Bank next, Lincoln bested Ipswich courtesy of a George Grant pen. Paul Lambert called the referee's performance dreadful. Lincoln's Alex Palmer summed it up on Twitter. All caps, big win that! exclamation mark. Unreal from the boys! Exclamation mark. Red heart emoji, white heart emoji. At George Grant 18, quotation marks. Another one, close quotation marks. Fist hand emoji, football emoji. Um, Sam, you've got beef with Brennan Johnson.
2: Yeah, and... I know you're a fan, I would imagine, of his father's work, uh, David Johnson. And I've met him while he's been uh, doing his his work at Chelsea. I think he was a scout and he's a very nice man. But yeah, I've had a little look back over the penalties that Brendan Johnson's been winning this season. There was two at Blackpool. The first was a definite penalty. The the second one is about 50-50. In the week, uh, he engineered... A decision being given against Plymouth. Ryan Lowe, the Plymouth manager, has subsequently had an apology or been told by the PGMOL that it wasn't a penalty kick. It's really bad. Um, it should never have been given. And on Saturday, it's the defining moment in the game against Ipswich. And for me, NCAA has been done by cute play, clever play. Has NCAA been clumsy? For me, he's kidded the referee, he stepped across him. It's similar to Vrancic at the weekend on Anya Dimma and then gone to ground. And listen, people would have a different view on it and, and say that this happens in the modern game. It's good forward play. I'm not going to go for Ian Everett. I'm sure we'll come on to him. He's a young player. He's played four times in the championship. He's played four times in League One. Did really well as a false nine at the weekend. But surely the referee going into this game should have had an eye on that and that penalty should not be a given in my opinion and he needs to be careful of he will develop a, a reputation
0: what's happening by the way with retrospective punishment for diving when was the last time any player got got done for for diving i mean it, uh, we were led to believe that, that 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 would happen and it's not is it and it should it should be happening across the leagues i think if 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 it's clear that someone is has dive to win a penalty, um, and maybe, maybe there should be some some kind of action. But yeah, good spot from uh, Sam. I, I'd noticed they were soft, but but yeah, he's obviously done a bit. He's dug a bit deeper. Impressive.
1: Is this me just being a bit obvious and, and not doing? proper research into it and just coming up with this on the spot but it's maybe a reason for this you know Brennan Johnson's come from Forest. Uh, you tend not to get much diving in League 1 and League 2 but what you do get a lot of these days is players from Premier League and Championship clubs going into League 1 and League 2 is this something that they're bringing with them do you think
0: don't know no I don't know I mean he's he's not Played that many games, has he at the championship? I know he's been training with the But 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 is he
1: taught team. as you know as you no, no through the academy? No one's I know taught. you're not
0: taught to dive. But but if you get contact in the box, you should go no, down. To get a penalty no, penalty. I think that managers up and down the land want their players to to go down if there's any kind of contact. You won't find the gaffer moaning uh, really privately behind the scenes at one of his players engineering contact to win a pen. They'll love it. I got told off for not doing it. In my, in my playing days, you know what are you doing, staying on your feet. There, he's knocked you. He, he, he's hit you. Go down. I'm like, well, it wasn't enough to knock me down. Go down, and I've, I've, you know, I've had a proper bollocking for it. And, and you know, that's 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 the reality of life inside a dressing room. So, um, yeah, players, players do do what they can, don't they? It's, it's a very rare player that, that that's completely um, conscientious.
2: It's, right. that's the phrase. They're engineering the contact because. I probably wouldn't want to be as strong as saying he's diving. He's a little diminutive player who's quick and he's getting across people and leaving the leg in. Um, So... Again, it's the, the modern game and people would say that's good play. Jamie Vardy has probably been doing it f- for years and winning multiple penalties. So it's difficult. Let's let's not forget that. I think Lincoln were the better team in this game. Ipswich hardly laid a glove on them and I'm not having Paul Lambert's comments post-match apart from the referee's comments. The stuff about his team was nonsense. They're pedestrian. Um, they're obviously having a lot of possession, but in terms of purpose with a football... Lincoln by far the better side.
0: Yeah, two poor performances for Ipswich and and you're bang on about Lambert. I agree there completely. Nsiala, I think, is is probably walking a tightrope in terms of his selection moving forwards. They've got Wolfenden on the bench. They've got a lad uh, from Arsenal, I think McGinnis Mark McGuinness, who can play in his position as well, standing by. Two games in a row now that, that he's been left for dead really, pace-wise, Encialla, and, and dived in and given away penalty. So, um, yeah, he's he, he might not play at the weekend. Yeah,
1: Ipswich will be hoping those jitters from last season aren't returning. Uh, now, it's a long way from Sunderland to Portsmouth, but the journey will have been more bearable for Pompey after they left the Stadium of Light with the points, courtesy of a 3-1 win against Sunderland, inflicting the first defeat of the season on the Black Cats in the process. Every time, Sam, we think that Kenny Jackett is on the edge, just, they pull him back in.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, really good tactical decision, I suppose. Um, he played harness up front a few weeks ago and he got hat-trick. Uh, certainly played more or less right up there with Harrison. At the weekend, he was with Marquis and seems to have uh, been an inspired decision. Notice that the two wide players... Really tucked in, so they didn't have any width at all. I think two crosses went into the the Sunderland box all game. So there's obviously pinpointed that they wanted to play through the middle. Thought Sunderland were strong in the wide areas, and once you get that lead, and you can sit in, and you can counter with the pace, with the vibrancy that they've got in that front four, I thought it caused them loads of problems. So I don't know, agent. Do you think he'll mm-hmm. stick here, Kenny Jacket, or will he revert to tight? And we'll see another. <laughs> 1-0 reverse at home to Charlton at the weekend. Uh
0: well Charlton won't make it easy for them that's for sure. They they're not conceding any goals at the moment are they? So it's so that it would be an interesting one. I mean the stats don't lie. For for all of Portsmouth's fans moans and groans and we know that they they're not shy of doing that when it comes to Kenny Jacket. No one's had more shots than Portsmouth this season. No one. So so they're not a, a defensive side this year. And, and and let's credit maybe Jacket for for admitting that he, he didn't start the season with the right team, w- Williams and Jacobs, the wide player Sam was was referencing, didn't didn't play at the at the outset. They've been brought into the fold and have been excellent across the last two or three games. Ronan Curtis, his big name player, there has has been shunted to the bench. You know that's a big decision from Kenny Jackett that could have backfired. So yeah, he's he's had a good old week, hasn't he? I think I think uh, Kenny Jackett. So he'll be confident, I guess, of, of picking up a result next time.
1: Yeah, and three and two for John Marquis. Didn't happen for him there last season, but if they can get him firing, that will help them stay in and around the promotion picture. Producer Ben, let's carry on building our midweek acker with Paddy Power. Uh, Sam's up next. Sam, which game have you picked?
2: I am going to go for MK Dons to beat Wigan. Uh, Reason being, Wigan lost three of the last four. That was their first goal in four attempts at the weekend. And I thought MK Dons were looking like they were at the start of something a few weeks ago. They've lost the last two at Oxford and at Blackpool, really subdued at the weekend, but the last two home games, impressive against Ipswich and beat Gillingham comfortably. So I would like to think they'll get maximum points against Wigan. Ben, give us some odds on that, please.
5: All right, um, over the sound of Fortnite being played very, very uh, excitedly in the background by my kids here. It is five to 5-6 for a Don's win, 11-4 to four for the Latics, coming back from Milton Keynes with all three points. And what I think is a very, very tasty
0: 13-5 to five for the draw. Adrian, your pick also comes from League One. Yeah, I'm going for Fleetwood on home turf to beat Shrewsbury. And they've not been full of goals the last last three games. Fleetwood, uh, two shutouts, but I think they'll have too much for, for a Shrewsbury side that, that look to me as if they're going to have a long old season towards the foot of the table.
1: Ben, give us some odds on that game then. Whoa, here's, a, here's a random shout. What would you give me on, on Harvey Saunders to score a hat trick? Funny you should
5: ask that, Matt. Um, Harvey Saunders is 100 to 1 for the hat trick. Um, oh, it's evens for. Guys. Boys, shut up. No, uh, 100 to 1 for the hat trick. It's evens for Fleetwood to get the draw here. 5 to 2 for the Shrews to get the win at Highbury. Or 23 to 10, whatever that is, for the draw.
1: OK, thanks, League One. It's been fun. Next, League Two.
5: I don't know about you, listener, but these days, you know, when you're doom scrolling through the news on Twitter, or you're just bewildered by who Man United haven't signed this week, or you're swiping through your dating apps, yes, apps, plural, it can be pretty hard to find the hours in the day to sit down and just learn more. And if you think you don't have the time to develop yourself, you need to check out Blinkist. Blinkist is for anyone who's time poor but wants to be knowledge rich. The app takes the key insights from over 3,000 non-fiction bestsellers and gathers them together in 15-minute blinks, which are text and audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas. 12 million people are already using Blinkist to deepen their knowledge in areas like personal growth, management, leadership, mindfulness and happiness, and I am one of them. I like to get my daily walks in and recently I've been listening to the very excellent and influential Think Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And next up is Mark Manson's New York Times bestseller, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a You'd hope that one of those two will help me live my best life. Blinkist want to give you a free seven-day trial and 25% off their premium membership. All you need to do is head to Blinkist.com/slash athletic. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash athletic. Come on, what are you waiting for? Take out your seven-day trial today and get 25% off at blinkist.com slash athletic. Blinkist, big ideas in small packages.
1: League two headlines: Newport lead the way after bashing Bradford. Bolton boss Ian Evitt buries own keeper.
0: I've just spoken to Billy In there, you know, he's a fantastic young goalie with lots of
1: attributes and and assets, but we cannot afford him to keep making mistakes. This
0: is that simple. He cost us the first goal, in my opinion, at Barrow on on Tuesday. Maybe the second one as well, and then today. So, you know, this is me saying to him publicly: "Man up." I've had that conversation privately. This is a man's game. Three points are at stake and my
1: team deserve to win today. And then apologises, sort of, telling the Bolton Evening News the terminology should have been better and I apologise for that if any offence was caused. Uh, elsewhere, South end, Barrow and Mansfield all remain winless. Uh, on that Ian Everett thing, he, he had a, a go at his goalkeeper, Billy Crellin, telling him to man up and other stuff. Adrian, does this does this ever work? Will it make Crellin a better keeper? Is Everett just covering his own backside for, for another game that Bolton haven't won?
0: Yeah, I, it feels that way, doesn't it? Um, I didn't like the terminology, sort of "man up," used in the public domain. There, um, you've got to know your characters, and and look, if he's a very confident type that, that that he thinks might respond well to to public criticism, then then maybe he's justified. But but I don't think many young players welcome it. I think that the current generation are quite sensitive to criticism, particularly from managers who, who just don't use that kind of language anymore myself and sam down the years i mean we've been in dressing rooms when players have been called far worse than that uh, i'm sure but it, it it can be a bit embarrassing for the player when they're publicly named and shamed that way and and it's not even his player he's a he's a lone e and and a young player making his way in the game so i thought it was particularly brutal if i'm in Evert shoes i'd just drop him just drop him you don't need to say it you don't need to sort of say anything damaging towards his career because this is a young man that's trying to forge his own reputation in the game and now everyone knows this this kid for being the one that, that, that the manager says needs to man up
1: sam the the comparison that immediately came to to my mind was Chris Wilder with Dean Henderson last season was it I think it was against Liverpool when when Henderson made a mistake and and Chris Wilder said. He wants to be Manchester United goalkeeper. He's got to do better than this, learn from it and move on. That seems a a far more sensible and adult way to to approach public criticism if you've got to make it.
2: Yeah, and, and the difference being Henderson had played vastly more games than this lad and played half a season in the Premier League. So I think you have to take that into account. If he never doesn't want a young goalkeeper to make mistakes he shouldn't have one as his number one he's on loan from Fleetwood and he's only played a handful of non-league games and a handful of games at Fleetwood before this season so get someone experienced I think you hit the nail on the head Matt it's a little bit of deflecting from what was a better performance that was ruined by obviously an individual error in terms of getting the maximum points so I think he's deflected the, the, the the blame to someone and also taken the the heat off him a little bit but not that it was similar to what john yems did last week but i just think it's an inexperienced manager in a big job that's just got carried away with his mouth after a game so i don't think it was probably malicious and the terminology adrian's bang on is wrong it's the kind of thing that gets said when someone is trying to make you drink another tequila in a bar when you're saying i don't want another tequila because i'm not crazy it tastes horrible. And someone says that to you, and I often lose respect for that person straight away because they're showing a weakness because you're being sensible and more mature. <laughs> so I've always hated that terminology. And now more than ever, you're not supposed to be saying that. And he was stupid for doing so and has rightly apologized.
1: Well said. Right, let's head to Bradford, said no one. Uh, they lost 3-0 at home to Newport this weekend. Clarkie, you made this your performance of the week. I'll give you more than 15 seconds to talk exiles now.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm just really, really impressed with, with the work that, that they're doing this season, playing a bit more football. it got a nice little blend now. I think last season it was all about, or it was supposed to be about defensive solidity, set plays, very direct, uh, but the They've got more to their game now, more strands. They, they can play through the thirds. They've still got that steal. Um, but in this game, they were very clinical on the counter-attack. And, and yeah, I thought it was a, it was a terrific away performance. They, they were by far the better side. I thought it was a strange to see selection from, from Stuart McCall from a Bradford angle because uh, Novak and Donaldson were starting to look good as a combo. They were had been a real handful in the previous game. And then he left Donaldson out and, and just went with one up top and made multiple changes actually, to to the midfield and, and forward line for the game and yeah I think that was that was a bit of a ricket from Stuart McCall but yeah Flynn's Newport are looking good and and for me Scott Twine on loan from Swindon Town has been a shining light He's, he won the penalty with a with a sort of dazzling little run into the box he scored good goals already this season and he he looks to be grabbing the opportunity at first team level I, I just wonder how long it'll be before Swindon Town getting back.
1: (laughs) Um, Producer Ben has asked me to point out that that Bradford and and their residents will be keen to point out that they are bidding for the UK City of Culture for 2025. We wish them luck with that. Um, Let's move on to Stevenage, Neil Leighton, Orient 2. It's the last stop for us today, the Lamex Two teams we haven't spent much time on this season. Orient, the victors, back-to-back wins and clean sheets, for them, uh, Sam, we know about the struggles that, that they had on and off the pitch last season and, and finishing 17th was was decent for them then. What, what are you expecting a good season for Leighton Orient to be this time around?
2: Yeah, a good solid season where they probably finish in mid-table, maybe have an opportunity of getting in the playoffs as we approach the last couple of months of the season. I think Ross, the jury is very much out on him amongst the supporters. And now that he's, I think, built a pretty good squad for my money now and um, the expectation will go up and he'll have to, um, you know, match that expectation. So I, I look through the side you see Wilkinson scoring at the weekend. He's got five now to complement what Danny Johnson has brought to the party this year. They've got a really solid keeper, a lad I know know very well in Vigoru, and he was called upon a number of times at Stevenage in the first half. Not great quality of chances, but he still, I think, made seven saves and is in a real rich vein of form. So it is looking good. It was professional, poor in the first half. Alex Ravel's side were abysmal in the second, gave them a goal and then just didn't really respond to going behind. So great week for Leighton Orient. Two wins, no goals conceded. And yeah, I think optimism around the place, certainly.
0: Yeah, one other thing to, to note about Leighton Orient is is stability, actually. They haven't made dramatic changes to their squad. If you look around the leagues, I've got a fancy spreadsheet of all the changes that everyone's made this summer. And and the majority of, of teams have signed ten to fifteen players. And Leighton Orient is, is far less than that. And I just feel that that, that they've just taken a different Outlook, and it might pay off for them just because everybody settled under Embleton Now it's it's let's go again, and I think we are seeing some of the players, the younger players that did okay last season, making strides. And, and yeah, I think they I think they are they are an improved team this year, and I'd expect them to finish higher than they did last season.
1: League Two odds, Ben. This is your big moment to shine. You've picked a, a game from the midweek fixtures to add to our acca. Tell us about it.
5: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm really excited about Port Vale versus Cheltenham, as uh, as I think most of our listeners are. Um, so the odds here: 17 to 10 for a Vale victory. That's what I'm going for. It's 13 to 8 for Michael Duff to steer his team to victory, and 21 to 10 for the draw. That means, Matt, for the mega acca. Um, which is the Port Vale win, plus Barnsley to beat QPR and Bournemouth to draw with Bristol City in the Championship, plus wins for Fleetwood and MK Dons in League One, comes out at a whopping 42 to 1, which might just pay for a DIVORCE.
1: <laughs> right. uh, that's not for me by the way Just in case my wife's listening Which she definitely is um, Nearly done for this week Regular listeners will know We like to finish on a light-hearted note uh, This week in reference to Ian Evitt's Ill-advised comments I want to know the best and worst thing A manager has
0: ever said about you Adrian what springs to mind <laughs> Well I can't remember anyone saying Anything nice about me Really I mean I think Alvin Martin might have said um, In the early days of his tenure When he was a bit green and over uh, I think he might have said that, that that Adrian's got he's got the potential to bounce back to the Premier League. Because obviously, I'd come back down from from the Prem to, to League One as it was at the time. So, so he did say that. Um, in terms of, of of sort of nasty things that managers have said, again, I don't remember anyone digging me out, Everett style. But but the one thing that kept that I kept seeing and reading and hearing was that I was too nice, and it just drove me nuts. Uh, various managers. Uh, would say yeah yeah he was really good but he's still too nice he's too nice and and uh, he he needs to demand more from himself blah de blah de blah and and they were probably right well that's all changed now real nasty piece of work when we (laughs) switched the (laughs) microphone how about you sam
2: (laughs) do you know what probably exactly the same too nice in my early years wasn't physical enough Mm. you know wanted to get on the ball and come short all the time where because of my physique Managers expecting me to be a battering ram. So probably something similar. And I think that's, I think we're surprised because of Everett's comments, because I've never had anything in the public domain, in the dressing room, is bad enough in front of the rest of the players. I remember Steve Perryman in my last year, brought in especially by Paul Tisdale. He didn't normally get involved to come in and slaughter a few. Um, That was, you know, quite scary. Early part of my career, uh, Mick Arford, um, Laurie Sanchez, Uh, Kevin Broadhurst at Northampton I remember you know one-on-one or in front of the players giving me a bit of stick but I wanted to speak about the nice things really and Andy King obviously was my manager I had great success under sadly passed away a few years ago which was really upsetting but used to talk me up every week in the press best player in the league he fought my corner both years I didn't get in the PFA team of the year which was really nice and I wanted to give you a couple of kingy-isms to to finish today because he was brilliant for a line normally uh, through a cloud of uh, cigar smoke. Um, When I left, he said, Sam will be forgotten with fond memories. (laughs) 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 and uh we were doing something at the hospital in swindon once and he said the gwr hospital is a brilliant place every town or city should have one
1: (laughs) (laughs) magnificent Uh, sam adrian thank you so much for your company today thank you to ryan for joining us too and Stephen chicken don't forget to donate to his cause if you can we'll be back next week from all of us here though it's bye for now You've been listening to The Totally Football League Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following At The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football
5: League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. I'm Faker Others, and I'm here to tell you about the next big thing. Well, actually, this lot are here to tell you all about the next
3: big thing. I think he can go straight to the top and I think the ceiling with him is so high. I do think
4: he's going to be an England international at some point. hes He really is that good. The question is, do you
1: loan them out or do you keep them in-house? People within Arsenal are really, really rooting for
0: this guy.
5: The next big thing is here to tell you about the future stars of the global stage, the next headline makers at your club. And give you all the information you need to know so you can impress your mates down the pub. You know, when we're all allowed back anyway. Until then, subscribe to The Next Big Thing so you can be ahead of the game. A bit like the footballers we're talking about, really. That's The Next Big Thing from The Athletic. Available now on all podcasting platforms
1: or get it ad-free via The Athletic app.
0: Muddy News Media